So tonight we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, obviously, right? We went through 1, 2, 3, now obviously we have to go through 4. So we're almost done, uh, we're halfway through, and there's only 6 chapters in 1 Timothy. And what we've seen so far is many different things, right? We see G- uh, Jesus, we see Paul talk to Timothy about, hey, you need to look after your church. You need to be a good leader. You need to look out for false teachers. You need to um, be a good leader, as we kind of really looked at last week. Um, And kind of one of the main ideas that we have was leaders in the church must serve well to support the life-giving power of the truth uh, it, uh, what's that word, proclaims. So we're going to continue in chapter 4 tonight and see what Paul wants to tell Timothy. And it's kind of interesting, and we'll even see it more in Second Timothy, but Paul is now kind of segmenting his uh, epistle, and it's kind of different, and you can tell the different breaks in his letter, um, so this is where we kind of break it up again tonight. We're going to read the whole chapter, and then we'll go back and, and get started. So, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily, bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Verse 9 says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, and purity until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. Verse 15. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, and see in that, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teachings. Persist in this, for by so doing you, have, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Okay. A lot to go through uh, tonight, these 16 verses. Well, just like a, like a book, you know, like that kind of text. What do you mean? Like, I'm talking about like how the words are. Okay, right. Like set up like the sentences. Okay. What translation do you read out of? Um, on the app, I'm in American Standard Version, or actually Okay. Probably a good simple translation would be like CSB. CSB? Mm, I read out of the ESV, so it might help you if you, you do the same translation to me. That way you know yeah, what, what words I'm reading. Do you use? ESV stands ESV? for. 
English Standard Version, I think is what it stands for. Yeah, so so yeah, a lot of different translations, right? King James is hard to read and hard to understand sometimes. And um, I made, I'm not, I think all translations have its benefit and have its, uh, you know, shortfalls, which, you know, that's another topic for another day of where translations come from and, you know, how they come into being. But I know CSB is pretty simple to understand. That's what our Sunday school lessons use. Um, CSB. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called stands for Christian. I'm just gonna I don't know. You before you start teaching, so I'm all I don't remember. But anyways, I read out of ESV. ESV is um, pretty simple. Um, it kind of uses our our wording a little bit more. I used to read out of the King James, and you I know, can, I can literally tell by just yeah, King James is you know got the these and the thous, and you know, like you say, they hit, it hits different. Yeah, they, it, it hits a little different. Um, with King James, yeah, with King James, it is good for the ones who like to read it, right? If that's what you're used to. It's like anything. You know, I understand English because I speak English. I can't read Spanish, you know. So it's just it's just a matter of getting used to it. And, and I think even with ESV, there's still some things that are hard to understand, but it comes with time and more reading. And hopefully as we what we do through tonight – you know, will kind of help us understand it a little bit deeper. But uh, we'll start back in verse number one. We see he kind of breaks it up, and I've kind of broken it up into a few little sections. Verses one through five, we see deceiving liars. Verses six through ten, we see uplifting teachers. And verses 11 through 16, we see good preaching. So we go back. Um, into what he's saying. So, you know, last week we closed into this mystery, right? We were talking about the mystery of godliness, this mystery about who God is, that he manifested himself, he vindicated, uh, he was vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory, that these are the things that we proclaim as a Christian body. We, be- we proclaim these mysteries about Jesus and about God to a world. Um, we try to give them our understanding of it, right? That they would understand uh, Jesus and God in a whole new level and in a whole new way. So we first start in verse number one. He says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So we, we first are introduced to an idea that Timothy, people are going to leave your church. People are going to devote themselves to other teachings. The Spirit has said this. Um, I'm not sure if he means that he's read this in Scripture somewhere else, or maybe this is a divine inspiration that the Spirit has given to him in this moment. But he says, the Spirit says explicitly that in later days, in the last days is what he's kind of referencing, in the days that... um, in the days that are at the end of the world, people will fall away from the faith. Okay? And so we read this idea of devoting themselves to something. When you devote yourself to something, what does that mean? What's the definition of devote? Right? You're all in for it, right? And so we give, these people are giving up the Christian walk, giving up the Christian faith, and they're devoting themselves. They're going all in to these deceitful spirits. These spirits and these teachings that are leading them astray, leading them, you know, somewhere else. And, you know, I, I was listening to something the other day. I can't remember exactly what I was listening to. Um, but, you know, you get the idea. And even when I was younger, and you might even be at the same place now, you think, how do we know what's right? 
like, how do we know what religion is the best religion? And, you know, obviously I'm a little biased, but, I mean, I remember as a kid I'd ask my dad that question, right? As, you know, Dad, how do we know that we're right? As Christians, how do we know that we're the best religion? And he, he gave me the answer of um, the one that gets you the closest to God. Right? The one that gets you the closest to, to who God is. And we look at the Christian faith and we see how we are so different in compared to many other religions. Right, In our religion, we believe that God has come to be close to us. He has done every effort in himself to be our friend, to be our savior, to be our father. We have to do nothing to get to him. He has done everything to be in our world. And I think, you know, we kind of end that uh, with that idea at the end of chapter number three, right? He has ended or he has come to our world that we might understand him. But in the later days, people will just ignore that. They don't care. They don't care anymore. And and I think it just becomes a, a, a byproduct of just getting further away from Jesus. It's harder to understand. And really, it's kind of hard to believe you know, back it was made. It was even hard for people to believe for Jesus in that time where it, they saw him. But imagine us now. Jesus even tells Thomas, who wanted to see the the nail pierced hands of Jesus and wanted to stick his hand in the side of Jesus. Jesus tells him, "Blessed are the ones who believe in me, but do not see me." And those are us. We are the people who believe in Jesus, but yet don't see him. So he says, in later times, it is exactly, it is expressly going to happen that people will leave the faith. They're going to dedicate themselves to deceitful teachings. In verse number two, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. So what does that mean? What does it mean to have your conscience seared? Or do you, what, do you even know what seared means? If you sear something. You sear a steak. All right, so what do, you, what do you do to that steak when you sear it? You cook it. What really happens to it, though? Do, we, do, y'all, do y'all know why we sear steaks? I don't really know why we sear steaks. Thinking, I have an idea. I know, like, I know an answer, but I can't explain it. Like, why? When I think of something that's seared, I think of something... Like when you sear a steak, right? You press it down on the, on the pan, the grill, whatever it is. It does. It locks it in in a way. But we see here it makes the outside hard, right? It makes the outside, yeah, calloused in a way. Yeah. And so what we see about these teachers, these people who are teaching these false ways, they have these seared hearts or seared consciences is what they said. They're insensitive. You know, we think about this steak. If you sear something, it's holding everything in, right? Nothing can penetrate it. And so what we see about these teachers their consciences are in such a way that they are not convicted by anything that God is doing to them, right? It cannot penetrate their conscience. And so we kind of get that same idea. And so what we see in verse chapter, verse 1 and 2 of chapter 4, it brings us all the way back to verse, you know, really chapter 1, where he says, beware of the false teachers, right? These false teachers, they are, uh, cannot feel the conviction of God, and they are leading people astray. They are bringing people and and leading them into deceitful teachings and into deceitful doctrines. He says that these people, verse 3, these teachers are teaching this. They forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So there's two things that Paul is bringing up that they're teaching. They're teaching, number one, to abstain from marriage. 
And the number two, abstain from different foods that God has sanctioned unclean. And so what was going on during this time, people were teaching that to be a holier person or to be closer to God, you should abstain from marriage. You should be a single person. And that's how you should you could be more holy. And Paul's like, that's a it's a dumb teaching. You're leading people astray by this, right? You're not leading people in the right direction. The other thing was is that they would teach that God uh, had sanctioned things unclean. And that is true. In the Old Testament, God did sanction some foods as unclean. But as you read through the book of Acts, God comes to Paul, uh, Peter and he brings down this holy picnic, as you see in, in the book of Acts. He's sitting there. He sees you know, maybe bacon, but I know he, he sees all this unclean food or what's classified as unclean in the Old Testament. And God says, eat. He tells him to eat of the, of the food. And uh, it was a symbol to show him that, number one, God, he says, how dare you say what I um, have made to be unclean, right? I've made good things. And so Paul's just saying. Sounds a lot like a lot of religions you hear about. What is that? Right, and so. Sounds real familiar in today's world, what I'm saying. Oh, really? In what way? Go ahead. Just it's kind of interesting. Religions. Oh, yeah. That's what I meant by it. Like, and they teach. What do they like teach? Even just learning about it in like world history and yeah. stuff like. I don't know, just throwing out there like Hinduism and stuff like that. Like. I'm. You know what I mean. So, I mean, I think that's a good that's a good avenue to keep going down, though. You know, what, what do other religions teach? It just sounds like teach? the false teachings didn't stop there. They continue even into our point in time. Oh, 100%. 100% that the false teachings continue, right? And and it is something to be aware of, right? And so when we th- when I think, or I guess I'll ask you, when, when you think of a false teaching, or, or let's just think of another religion, right? What do they profess, or... I guess what is the point of religion is the main question, really. What would you say is the point of religion? Why well, have a faith system? That's a really good question. When you think, well, I mean, you think of Hinduism, you think of Buddhism, you think of. Um, my opinion. Good. No, you're good. You're good. When I think, you know, a lot of like different religions, they uh, had the idea of enlightenment, right? You want to be enlightened or you want to be brought to a special knowledge um, throughout. Or in this one of the classes I'm taking right now is church history. I've learned about this thing called Gnosticism. And it came out of the Christian faith. What Gnosticism is, the base word of Gnosticism is gnosis, which is the Greek word for knowledge. Okay? And so what pe- what Christians were going around teaching, they were teaching that they had a special knowledge about Jesus. All right? So anyone that believed Jesus would be like, obviously I want to know this special knowledge. But they would teach that this special knowledge was their salvation. And so you know, really what we see in what Paul's saying right here is that people are preaching extra biblical things that are not beneficial to their godliness and to their righteousness. And so what is the main thing that we need for righteousness in our faith right now? What is the main thing you need for righteousness? How do you obtain righteousness in the Christian faith? 
Is it by, by work? Getting by getting saved. Is it by work or is it by grace? Grace. Grace. Absolutely by grace, right? Paul tells us that in Ephesians. That it's by, not by any man's works because he can't boast about it. It's only through grace. And so what we see that these false teachers are doing, they're leading people astray by teaching that their faith, the Christian faith, is works-based. That you got to do extra biblical things to obtain God's favor. That if you remain single and dedicate yourself to Him, that that's the way that you, you know, show God that you love Him. Or if you abstain from these foods, that is the way that you show God that you love Him. But the way you show God that you love Him is that you just love His Son, right? In return, and, and accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Um, we... Any other th- thoughts about that? So he continues saying, verse 4, For everything created by God is good, plain and simple, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received when thanksgi- with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So it kind of brings us back to that idea of anything that God's made and is said is holy. It's holy. Don't change that. If God has said it's good, it's good. Obviously, if God can sanction something as good, it has to to be good. So we see through these first few verses, we see deceiving liars. It goes all the way back to those false teachers that we talked about earlier. It's another uh, challenge and another command for Timothy to look for this in his church. Not only look for this in his church, but really look for this in the end times, right? As the time is coming to an end, this is what you're going to be seeing. And you need to be paying attention to those, to those signs. So these deceiving liars are leading people astray. And so now Paul is going to go through verse 6 and the rest of the chapter, what the church should receive. Okay? So let's even discuss that amongst ourselves. If the church shouldn't receive deceitful teachings, what should the church receive? What kind of teaching should the church get if they should not receive deceitful teaching? True teaching. All right. What else? True teaching. I think of, um, I don't know, encouragement. I feel like a lot of that is, it's not anything special. right? We, We teach the same gospel to all. Right? And so verse 6 starts with this. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a servant, a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. What he says is, if you put these things before the church, what he just mentioned in verses 1 through 5, if you tell them about these false teachings and you bring it up in front of the church, you're, you're doing them a good service because you're telling them that it's wrong. Right? It's good for, for us as Christians to understand the bad things that are going on in the world, right? If we don't know them, then we won't know to look out for them, right? Tell your church the things that you should, they should look out for because you're being trained in the words of this faith of the good doctrine and, and you followed this faith and, and your main goal is to uh, uplift and bring honor and glory to the church and bring them benefit. So verse 7 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. And so what is, you know, Paul is exclaiming and really saying that what he mentioned in those first five verses is that it's just stupid. (laughs) It's irreverent. It's um, silly. It has no benefit, right? It's silly. 
you know, you think of something that that's silly, it just means nothing, right? It means nothing for uh, a benefit. I'm trying to think of just like a, a good scenario or maybe a, a good analogy for that, but I don't know. Well, something that's silly that means that's nothing in our lives. What's silly? That something that is just, I don't know, not necessary. It doesn't. It doesn't bring you benefit in your life. I don't know. School. Yes, it does. It brings you benefit. Anyways, I can't think uh, of anything off the top of my head. We're gonna figure this out. Yeah, it's pointless, right? When we think of something that's pointless, it brings you no benefit to have. Um, I honestly don't know. I know there's something in my life that brings me no benefit, but I know I can't think of it though. Taxes. Taxes bring you benefit in the long run, I guess. Huh? Anyways, what we see is happening is, you know, these oh, these teachers go ahead. Elections. elections are they are beneficial. They are sure beneficial. I am sure about that. But what we yeah, see going on <laughs> hopefully they get better, right? They're even yeah, more beneficial. They are skipped. <laughs> but what we see, Paul's saying, avoid this avoid the stuff that is just pointless. Avoid the stuff in your teaching that it just means it doesn't it doesn't bring your church any any benefit. It doesn't grow your church members. It doesn't teach them anything new Lying. about God, huh? Lying. Yeah, it brings you no benefit, right? Lying brings you absolutely no benefit. Prime, prime right there. All right, I'll, to, I'll write it down at the end. But he says, rather train yourself for godliness. Bring. Bring yourself to a point in your church, in your own ministry, in your Christian, in your fellow Christians' ministry. Train them for the good things of godliness. That brings them a better understanding of who God is. That brings them closer to uh, a closer love of God. He says, "For while bodily training, in verse number eight, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way." as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What does he mean? Pre- uh, he says bodily training is of some value. Godliness bodily is of value training. in every value. Yep. What is bodily training? Going to the gym, Going to the gym right? You know, we, we think about running. You even say like training your mind. Training your mind. Mentally. Yeah. School. So of some value, right? It's got to be of some value. Yeah. And, you know, we see, we think of a, of someone working out, right? We, you know, if you go to the gym, you're not just going to go to hang out, right? That brings you no benefit, brings you no value. Yeah, I know some people that do that too, right? But you're going to go there to work out. You're going to go there to get better. You're going to go there to progress. And, and Paul, I don't think in any way is saying that we shouldn't, you know, look after our bodies. He does say it brings us some value. When I think of some value, I think he's meaning it brings us present value. In our, in our present life, we have value uh, with training our bodies. But with training for godliness, it brings you value in every way because it brings you value in the present life and it brings you value in the future life. Right? As you, um, you, you know, you're making these investments now to give you good things in heaven, right? And good things in, in eternity, right? A life and an uh, eternity with God on high. 
because it holds a promise, is what he says in verse number 8, holds a promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And so what we see all throughout this and, and what's kind of building upon itself is divide between the good things and the bad things. Divide between the things that bring you benefit and the things that don't bring you benefit. Be aware of the things that don't bring you benefit and embrace the things that do bring you benefit. <clears throat> so verse 9 is this same repeated phrase that he said already twice in his epistle. He says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Do you remember the other ones, what, he, what, what the phrases were? Let's see if I can find it. All right, the first one was in chapter 1, verse 15. It says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that, Je- that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. Right? That was the first time he said it. Second time he said it was chapter 3, verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Okay? And so now he says it again in verse uh, 9 of chapter 4. The saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance. So why do you think he's doing that? Why do you think he's repeating that phrase? It's obviously intentional. He's done it three times now, and he's going to do it in the rest of his, uh, in Second Timothy and in Titus. So what is the point of that phrase, do you think? The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. He says it three times in First Timothy. And deserving of full acceptance. I think for this time he is saying It either relates to verse 8, which he said, verse 7 and 8, which says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for whole bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the life, uh, for the present life, and for the life to come. Okay. And it could. I'm not sure. That's what I'm I'm sitting here trying to even, you know, discuss it amongst myself. But he continues to verse number 10 after he says this saying is trustworthy deserving of full acceptance. It says, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have a hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So what does it mean to toil and strive? What is toil? That's the first one we need to tackle. Not toy, toil, T O I L. Hmm? Okay, struggle. Toil and what? Strive. Strive? Is it the strive I'm thinking of? Like you're striving in excellence. Okay, yeah, what does that mean? You're thriving. Okay, thriving. You're like glowing. Think, I don't think striving means glowing. Well, I know that. You gotta think with me. All right. When when you're striving, if you're if you're striving for something, you're you're, you're like you're doing something right. Okay. Okay. And you're trying to attain you're something. Life right. Okay. You're, you're attaining along the way. All right. You're getting. I feel like when I think of striving, you're I think achieving. of I think of like a stride almost, like of a of a runner. Right. You're you're striving to get to the finish line, to get exactly. to the end. Toil means work, and I think 
what, what, what word did you mention? You said, said a struggle, right? You said struggle, right? I mean, that can be the same thing. Oh, it definitely is. I, and I think toil is like, like when I think of work, when I think of work, work is whatever. But when I think of your, your toiling, it's like endless work. Like it, oh. it sucks. That's what I think of when I think of bad work. Anyways, yeah, I need to practice my putt. No. I don't remember. Anyways, but he talks about this saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance. And I think, you know, this is a, a refrain because it's almost like little nuggets for Timothy just to remind himself of, right? Paul's telling me that this is this is deserves full acceptance, right? He he's basically saying you can trust this. You can trust every aspect of what I'm about to say. To this end, he I think this end is that uh, that godly training is like you know we we train for godliness, we endlessly work for godliness, we strive for godliness because we have our hope set on the living God, and and the idea of hope is that you have a uh, trust in the things that are to come. Right? We cho- we put our hope in God because He's shown us time and time again that He can be trusted. And He says also, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We can put our trust in Him because He's always been faithful. And we can put our trust in Him and our hope in Him because He saved us. Not just us, but anyone who would choose to believe in Jesus. So again, we, we're going through this idea, right? We got the good teachers, we got the bad teachers. Verses 1 through 5 saying, look at these bad teachers. Verses 6 through 10, look at these uplifting teachers, right? These teachers are bringing benefit to the church. Now, finally, in verse 11 through 16, we have the, the final um, you know, closing argument of his uh, chapter. He says, command these things. What is what is a command, as a as a teacher, right? What so what is Paul asking Timothy to order, to command? The teachings that he's telling him. All right, what teachings has he just told him? The truth teachings. The truth teaching. So what would be a truth true teaching? What's a true teaching that? I know. I need you to feed me more. What's the true teachings that we just learned? We talked about toiling. We talked about striving. What are we striving for? To get to heaven. To get to heaven, right? To pursue godliness. Yes. Paul says, command these teachings. Command the teaching to pursue godliness. Yes. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth. Ah, don't let anyone talk you down because you are young. Yeah, so why? Paul's, Paul, I mean, Timothy's a young dude. He's preaching um, at, at a... Probably a scrawny dude, too. Might be. Might Probably be. like me. You think? And then if a three, like a big old 250, 6'5 guy comes walking up to me, I'm going to be like, this is the right way to do it right here. And so you got to be bold in that, right? Yeah, I'm going to be like, I still haven't changed my mind. <laughs> he says, let no one despise you, right? And, and I feel like that would be a tough, you know, that's probably an encouragement for Timothy in this moment because... You know, he's a young guy amongst older people who don't necessarily, might not even know who Jesus is, who they're young in the faith, but he's saying, command these people, right? Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the true doctrine. Exactly. And let no one despise you because you're young. He says, but set the believers an example. 
as a young man, it shows this older guy. Uh, 13, verse 13, what you just said. Verse 12. I was still verse 12. Mm-hmm. But let no one, or but, but be, set an example for uh, the other believers. He says, setting an, an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Okay? So he gives him five things to set his an example in. Why do you need to set an example in speech? Okay. Okay, don't say bad stuff. Do what? I think it can go I think it can go both ways, right? That you would be a good just a good speaker and I think it's like don't don't just go around don't say anything Yeah, don't have a bad mouth, right? Yeah. Don't go around just cussing and, and fussing at people, right? Just show them an example of what it looks like to be a godly man who speaks rightly. Next we see in conduct. What is conduct? I'm I'm gone on this one. Josh. Gone. He's gonna concede to you. you got a buzz in what is conduct? Huh? Don't act stupid, right? Your actions and your conduct in the way that you conduct yourself in the world. Set a good example as a believer. In love. How, how, so I guess we, we know what love is. So what does love from a Christian believer look like? Instead of hating a person, love them. Okay. <laughs> and that's hard to do, right? It's like, I remember it was one book we read that I started trying to do that. Not like that extreme, but like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he could just be having a bad day. Yeah. You know? like, Almost the benefit of the doubt. Day. Yeah. It's helped a lot. I like that. I like that. So it's almost a point to like loving people when they don't deserve it, right? Because that's exactly what we receive, right? Even when we did not deserve it, God chose to love us. But when we understand that, we're supposed to spread love like that. Right. Absolutely. So we got in speech and conduct and love and now in faith. So how does Timothy, as a young man, demonstrate a Christian faith? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. Got to be faithful, right? Show the world around you why you're doing this, right? Don't be in it one day, out the next day. Don't be in it for a week make and out the next week. Yeah. That's a rule. That's I have that one of my rule books to life. Make it till you make it. Make it till you make it. You gotta act like you're in a good mood. Eventually, you're gonna be in a good mood. I agree. I agree. So set an example in faith, and then lastly, set an example in purity. Got to be pure, right? Setting an example. Is that self righteous self righteousness though? No. In a way, I guess yes and no. Well, I mean, when I think of purity. I think of someone who's just really clean, doesn't do a lot of wrong. You want to be that, right? If you're spreading the word, right? Especially if that's what you're teaching. You right. Exactly. You that, that, is a, a, that is a perfect point, right? And so what Paul is saying, be a good dude, man. If you're going to be preaching the Word and you're going to be proclaiming the Word of God, you better live it, right? Because you just, you just even mentioned right here, as we're sitting here, 
you know, we can pick up on the hypocrites. We know when people preach the word and then they don't live it, right? It shows. It shows in their life. And, and, it's, and you don't want to listen to them, right? You don't want to uh, listen to them anymore because they, they're just like, well, they're not even listening to what they're even, they're even preaching, right? So just be someone worthy of being followed. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So he says, do this, right? Commit yourself um, to this and, and being an example. And he says, until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So he says, I'm coming, and until I come, I want you to do three things. I want you to devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. That one's easy to know, right? Right. To the reading of Scripture, to the public speaking of Scripture. Devote yourself to that, right? We talked about that earlier, right? He says devotion to those uh, false teachers. He's saying here now, Timothy, you devote yourself reading but reading read the bible right that is who you are read the bible now he says to devote yourself to exhortation what does it mean to um what is exhortation what does it mean to exhort if you had to guess exhort huh give out something okay i like that that's close let's see Exhortation means to urge someone to do something. Okay? And so it's building, right, on top of what he's saying. He says, urge read. others to do what you're doing. Right. And, in, and in, in doing so, right, he's saying read Scripture, urge people to do the Scriptures. Right? Not only that, he finishes with teaching. Devote yourself to teaching. What is teaching? <laughs> oh, um, what you're doing. Right. He's directing, right? He's, he's explaining the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures, urge them to do the Scriptures, and teach the Scriptures, right? If you don't teach them what the Scripture says, they'll never know how they can apply it to their lives, right? He says, verse 14, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the, elder, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that you may, see, so that all may see your progress. Right? He's saying, you know, you've been challenged. We, um, he, he says that same thing all the way back in chapter one, verse eighteen, talking about this uh, prophecy that was spoken over Timothy. That he was, um, you know, he's almost, it's almost an affirmation of his calling. Right? So a few weeks ago, right, I was licensed as a preacher. Doesn't really mean much, but all it means hey. is. What? Don't say that. It means a lot, right? And what, but what it, mean, what it means to me and what it means for the church, it means that they have a stamp of approval on me. They say, we affirm that Nicholas is saying that he wants to go into ministry. We affirm that he's doing this. And we are just basically giving him a thumbs up saying, go for it, buddy. You have our approval, right? And so here, Paul is affirming Timothy's calling, right? Don't forget what God called you to do. Teach the word, read the word, and exhort the word, right? Be um, a man of the word. He says, verse 15, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that you may see your progress. All right, so you talked about baseball earlier. So we talked, you know, when you think of baseball. Yeah, you talked about your baseball coach. Oh, yeah. All right, so when you want to get better at something, what do you have to do? Practice. You have to practice, right? Practice makes what? Perfect. Practice makes perfect. And so we see Timothy's, I mean, uh, yeah, Timothy has this challenge to practice. Practice reading Scripture. Practice exhorting Scripture. Practice teaching Scripture. Practice it. 
Now he says, immerse yourself in these things. What does it mean to immerse yourself in it? So, so when with with baseball, with baseball, if you are practicing baseball, what is the difference between practicing baseball and immersing yourself in baseball? Right, that is all you are. When I think of immersion, I... You may turn it into a baseball. You think? Yeah. And, and maybe we should turn it into Scripture in some way, right? Maybe mobile Bibles that we know it so well. That'd be something else. When I think of immersion, I think of uh, like going underwater, right? When you're underwater, you are fully immersed, right? In water. Everything around you is water, right? There's nothing else that is... I don't know. That's another discussion for another day. But you know what I mean? When you're underwater, you are immersed in water. There's no air. There's nothing else other than water, right? And so what we see, Paul telling Timothy, practice it, man. Practice makes perfect. Not only practice it, but immerse yourself in it. Let it be all that you are. That's the only thing that you come in contact with. That's the only thing that you teach. That's the only thing that you read. You immerse yourself in your calling. You are a preacher. You are called to do these things. And then lastly, we see that people may see your progress. Practice it. Immerse yourself in it. And now everybody around you will notice. They'll, they'll notice that, you, that you've gotten better, right? They'll notice that you're becoming this calling. You're fulfilling this calling that God has placed upon your life. Verse 16, um, he, he closes. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So what is Paul's final uh, proclamation to him they in verse 16? Saving them from an eternity in hell. That's what I just got from that. Right. Okay. I like that. So when he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, what does he mean by that? Keep. Make sure you don't. Exactly right. I think it's exactly what he's saying. And he says, persist in this, right? Keep a close watch on everything you say. Keep a close watch on everything that you do. Why? Because people are watching you too. Right? People are watching you. Um, and that's one thing that I had I noticed while being at BCM and even in leadership. People are watching you. And you have to be on your A game all the time. And, and it's, a, it's a tough calling. It's a high calling. Uh, but he says, persist in this. Why? Because... If you do something wrong, people will see it. Even if you don't think people see it, people will probably see it or at least find out about it. If you preach something wrong, you're leading them astray. Not only leading them astray, but you're leading yourself astray. And like you said, right, we want to prepare people for heaven. We want to um, push them towards holiness and towards being um, glorified. Persist in these things. That is your main goal. For by doing so, you save both yourself and your hearers. By teaching true doctrine... And, and assuring that that's all that is in your life, flowing out of your life, and that you're teaching, you save yourself and the people who are hearing your teaching. So we've seen uh, three different things. We see that there are some deceiving teachers. They're deceiving people. They're leading people the wrong way. And they are uh, you know, teaching them wrong things. 
So then we move into verses 6 through 10. We see there should be uplifting in your teaching, right? You should challenge people to do better, bigger and better things that we should work hard. We should toil and strive for godliness. And as a preacher, you should live this out in your life. It should be all that you are. You should immerse yourself in it. You should persist in understanding what you're teaching and understanding what you're telling people and and your actions. That way you save yourself and and your hearers. So your favorite part, what would be the main idea of chapter 4? The main idea of the passage. <clears throat> no false teachings. All right, so that's an aspect of it. What's another? Well, let's just talk about the aspects of it. So we got no false teachings. Timothy's learning. Okay, like that. Timothy's weren't learning the way pastors should live. From Paul. By receiving his letter. He's getting deep tonight. What does his letter t- taught him? What did, what did Paul to just teach him? the word of God. To okay. teach directly from scripture. Okay, so Timothy is learning from Paul through his letter how to, I'm just trying to summarize what you said, how to um, teach the right doctrine, to live the right doctrine, and to, to, represent, the to right represent the right doctrine. Okay, I like that. I like that. Let me write it down. So let's see, Timothy. You said Timothy is learning from Paul, right? Yes. Did you already forget it? Yeah. <laughs> Timothy is learning from Paul how to teach the doc- teach the teach true doctrine. Teach the true doctrine. Or we we gotta say this too, recognize true doctrine, right? That is an aspect of recognizing the false teachers. So right. how to recognize Recognize true doctrine. Teach true doctrine. So here it is. Timothy is learning from Paul how to recognize true doctrine, teach true doctrine, and represent true doctrine. It's the best one you've had yet. You're getting better. See? You're already applying the scripture. You're getting better. You're starting to immerse yourself in it. You said that you said even at the very beginning, right? It's hard to understand. You wish you could understand it even better. You just did, right? You just summarized the whole chapter right there. Alright, so now we gotta take it a step further, right? We recognize the main idea for Timothy. Timothy is learning how to understand true doctrine. Um, we're, we're still going. Yeah, we're still going. What? It's a big main idea, dude. No, no, no. Main idea is over. Now we got to go to application. Oh. 
Yeah. What? Yeah. We've never done this. We gotta take it a step further. We got we gotta get better. As my as your teacher, okay. I gotta I gotta get you okay. to get better. Okay. All right. So application, how can we apply it to our lives? Yeah, right, exactly. Right. So look, um, we've understood it so far, right? We we observe the text. This is how you read scripture, right? I'm I'm trying to teach you how to read scripture. We what what all we do what uh, all what we just did, all we just did so far through the entire chapter is we observed things, right? We talked about it, we discussed it. We got to the uh, very end. Okay, now we want to say, what's the heart of the passage? And we just established that, right? The heart of the passage that we read tonight is that Paul is trying to teach Timothy how to recognize true doctrine, teach true doctrine, and represent true doctrine. Basically, Good. to live as Timothy Okay. what Paul is saying. All right, and to so, live a life like Timothy, or you can even say Paul. To live like what Paul is describing. All right, so what is Paul describing? The true doctrine. All right, so live true doctrine. doctrine live true doctrine. What is true doctrine? The Bible. What God is telling us. All right, so there's an aspect of it too, right? Um, where do you learn true doctrine? Right, we're, we're obviously, yes, we can learn from Paul, but... Like you're talking about in a church. Okay, we learn true doctrine from our church, right? So that's also a challenge to make sure you have true doctrine in your church. So, you know, even in your own life, you need to recognize where the false doctrine's coming from, right? Where Where is that in your life? I feel like there's even aspects of it in my life that I, you know, maybe I understand and I see, and maybe parts I don't understand and I, I don't see. What's another application, maybe? Okay. Just but respect senior citizens. Yeah. That's exactly what it goes into next. Like literally the next verse in chapter five is do not rebuke an older man, but encourage hey. him as you would a father. Nice. 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 Okay. That's an aspect of it, right? It is a challenge as a as a younger person, right? Even in even in our church, right? It, it is hard to um feel like you have a voice sometimes, right? To feel respected or to feel um appreciated. Right, because you just don't feel like you know much. But it is also a challenge as a younger person to show the church what you do know. Okay. Uh, so, whenever the opportunity arises, right? That you know, that's. I feel like a lot of times when I get to preach, that's an, a platform for me to show the church what I've learned from the last yeah. time, right? From my, from the last time I preached, right? This is how I've improved. Hopefully, that you've seen, you know, you it's see like improvement. It's, um relating it back to baseball it's like how you're practicing you're wanting to improve every single time you step up on that stage it's just like baseball oh yeah every time you step up to the plate yeah it's like you you improve when you practice oh exactly when we go golfing if we practice for a whole year each time we go we're going to get better and better Uh, you at least you hope (laughs) right i know i know i know you're gonna be in the pga tour that's my call that's your calling. I'm gonna play at the Masters, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the TV. I'm gonna say, I want to thank Nicholas Devman for for this trophy right here. <laughs> Got me your caddy. You can. Sweet. I'll let you. Sweet. I'm telling you, I'm gonna be on the PGA Tour. Well, you go and you let me be your caddy, and I'll do that for the rest of my life. I'll dedicate. I will dedicate. I will dedicate and myself to be your caddy. We can spread scripture through that. Yeah. I will dedicate myself to That's be your caddy. That's us right there. We can spread it to all the other. All right, you best get to working. 
And I, I, but I mean, like, that's still, that's still a part of it, right? What we read tonight. We, we need an application, right? You know, we might, we're joking around with golf, but, you know, dedicate yourself to the scriptures, right? You dedicate yourself to wanting to understand God more. Find joy in that. And um, I, I was listening. And, it, and that's okay, right? It's okay to recognize that. And, and I absolutely agree. I, I feel, I was listening to a, a lecture today, actually, and he was talking about, different Bible students, right? You have some Bible students who read the Bible and they don't care, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect them in some ways. I care, but, like, it, sometimes it's just hard. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I was there, right? And he said, you know, there's some who read it, but it's tough for them, right? It's tough. It's like dry. I think he described it as um, dry wheat, right? You think of, like, a saltine cracker? I think if I understood it more, I would Right, and so okay, that's, that's an aspect of it, right? So how do you how do you begin to understand more? So we look at baseball, right? Practice. You you, you just gotta read it. You were there, right? When you were younger and in T ball, you did not know every rule of of baseball, right? All you knew is that the ball was sitting on that tee, and you got to hit it and run to first. Mm-hmm. Even if you ran to first, right? Sometimes you might run to third because you have nowhere to nowhere to go. But by the end of it, as you learn more, as you practice more, you got better, right? And so you know I he. I think you have too. I absolutely agree. I think everybody has. And I've seen it in my own life, right? And I was even where you were. And, you know, we think, we think of like a saltine cracker, right? It's dry. It's not necessarily good to eat by itself sometimes. It's, it, it, it nourishes you, right? It gets you to where you need to go, but it's just not enjoyable to eat. And, and there's some people who have a relationship with Scripture that way, right? It nourishes them, and they kind of get something good out of it, but it's not always as good to them, right? But then there's people who love Scripture, who look at scripture like a Krispy Kreme donut, right? Man, Krispy Kreme donuts are just good to eat, right? It's Stop. nourishing. It's nourishing Stop. for you, right? It makes your mouth drool, Why right? Because <laughs> they're too expensive to have a franchise. But we see, you know, scripture here, right? I think even what Paul is maybe even teaching to Timothy tonight is like immerse yourself into it to the point where you just love it. It's all that you are, all that you want to do. It's what brings you fulfillment. It's what brings you joy. And I think that's an application for us tonight also, right? Make it something you love. Make it something you thoroughly enjoy doing. And and I can honestly say that when I first started, you know, doing, you know, Bible studies and stuff like that, it, I didn't always love it. But now I'm to the point where I, I love to do any kind of scripture exhortation, right? To the point where if, I, if I'm sitting here, if I get to preach, if I'm just getting to talk to somebody about scripture, I love it with all of my heart. That's one thing I miss from uh, BCM probably the most. You know, me getting to sit around with a bunch of different people and literally just talk about anything, any idea from Scripture. I I, I love that uh, the most. And I think that can be attained. We just need to have a free night just talk about anything. I mean, we can do it next week if you want to do that. So, Or we can do it right now after this, after we... Close in prayer. I'm too hungry. I'm telling you until they get done. Anyways, well, I'll close this in prayer and uh, we can do whatever we want to do. So let's pray. Dear Father God, I thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight. Thanks so much for letting us read your word, Lord, and how it just uh, unfolds upon itself, Lord. You you tell us what your scripture wants us to to wants you you let us know what you want us to know, God, and um, that's so sp- something so special about your scripture. Something that I'm learning every single day and, and something that I hope all of us learn every single day, God, that your scripture is simple. 
and your Holy Spirit allows us to understand it and perceive perceive its meaning, Lord. But we have to dedicate ourselves to it. We have to dedicate dedicate ourselves to the understanding of it. That as we read it more, we we uh, see the connections even closer, God. And I pray that uh, you would give us wisdom, knowledge, understanding, comprehension, and retention in the things that we read that we might apply it to our lives even better. Be with us as we go throughout the rest of this week. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.